Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, I'm Sophie Ellis-Bexter and welcome to Spinning Plates, the podcast where I speak to busy working women who also happen to be mothers about how they make it work. I'm a singer and I've released seven albums in between having my five sons aged 16 months to 16 years, so I spin a few plates myself. Being a mother can be the most amazing thing, but can also be hard to find time for yourself and your own ambitions. I want to be a bit nosy and see how other people balance everything. Welcome to Spinning Plates. Hello, dear heart. Welcome to podcast number four. Um, how are you? How's your week been? Um, hope you've been having an all right time. If you live anywhere near me in London, I hope you've been enjoying the nice warm weather this week. It's been lovely and sunny. And uh, yeah, what's been going on here this week? Uh, not so much. Uh, last week we did um, an end of term um kitchen disco that was lots of fun so that's me and my husband and our children uh I try to perform a gig which we put on Instagram live um while my children mainly dance around fight with each other and then look really bored uh (laughs) during the show that's kind of what it is uh anyway um yeah, so what we got up this week? Oh, a lovely one this week. I had a great conversation with Mylene Class. So I've known Mylene, oh, golly, I think I probably met her when I was about 20, 21. Um, Mylene was in Hearsay, the band Hearsay. Um, and it was when I was just releasing my first solo material and we were on the same label. We were both on Polydor. So we used to find ourselves performing at the same things and hanging out at the same stuff. Um, and I didn't know her super well back then, but over the years we sort of found ourselves at things together. And she's always been really lovely and warm and chatty and always had lots of things going on in her life. So, so yeah, this was a real treat. Um, and not least because I went round to Mylene's house back, this was back pre-lockdown, but very, very close to lockdown. 
back in March, and um, she had a beautiful baby boy, Apollo, there, who they call Snoopy. Um, and she's got two daughters of her own, um, and she's also now stepmom to her boyfriend Simon's two two kids as well. So they are. Um, a blended family of five. Uh, so yes, that's kind of where we started, having baby cuddles and chats in her, in her sitting room. And uh, I'll leave it over to uh, over to Mylene. She's got so many words of wisdom. Um, I think you're going to learn a lot. I know I did. Anyway, thank you for joining me again. Enjoy and see you on the other side. I'm off to do what I always do: go and make a cup of tea. You know me. Why we too? Thank you. One of the lovely things about coming here to talk to you today is not just that I get to talk to you, but there's definitely a special feeling in a house where there's a baby and your yeah. little one's only seven months and he's adorable. And it's just, it's a sort of, what is it? A sort of calmness that comes with babies when they're still so little? I think there's just, it's content. I think yes, that's what it is. it's content. Because I look at him and he's a real leveller for me in my life, I think. Yeah. I think at the age I've got him now and the the stage I am in my personal life um I, I I really genuinely am not sweating you know the little things anymore now no and also when you're when you have a baby in a new relationship that also brings with it children from previous relationship that new baby I mean that's a whole other story well it is <laughs> I don't know how to navigate any of this nobody ever told me and Sim who you've, you've met as well who's making the coffees like, this is all new for us as well. And so when you're talking about your childhood and, and going between homes, we latch onto that so quickly because we want to know, well, what does it look like? And mm. what, what does, I know there is no end game with the family. There is no finishing line. It's just continues. You keep on running. But, you know, we want to know we're doing the right thing and guiding them all correctly. Well, also it'd be interesting to see the significance for your girls of, of, of having their new baby brother. Because for me, if I'm honest, I think the birth of my brother Jack, which was when I was eight, um, I think it's probably pretty much why I ended up having quite so many children myself because yep. I'd had, um, my parents had separated when I was like four or five and my mum and I had been on our own for a couple of years and then my mum got together with my stepdad John, who's a lovely man and very, very quickly, within three months she was having a baby. So, which actually I have to say if you're seven or eight is actually not, like you've got no idea of time scale so that probably yeah. felt like quite a long time anyway but... Um, Jack just symbolised this whole happiness and a new beginning and something just purely joyful, actually, with him. I was obsessed with my brother. My girls are the exact same. Like, Ava actually got caught out by the Uber driver the other day because she calls him her baby. (laughs) (laughs) She walks around and she says, my baby, my baby, and she enjoys it. But then he actually said, so, uh, how how old are you? And she then started panicking and looked over to me and I had to then rectify things and say, I'm not the grandma. But um, <laughs> that's how much ownership she has. She, she, and Ava is how old? Ava's twelve, going mm. to be thirteen this year. And she, you know, it's a typical teenager. I can, her and her phone. She never wants to answer it. But now she suddenly FaceTimes me at lunchtime to see the baby. Oh, that's which lovely. It's really this is quite unusual. So yeah, but, well, yes and no. I mean, I, I was sort of thinking earlier how brilliant um, babies are for kids at that age, sort of preteen and teen, because yeah. I know that for Sunny, who's my oldest, he's 15, he'll be 16 um, next month. And he, when he gets in from school, he'll say, where's Mickey? Yeah. And every night I have to take Mickey to go and say goodnight to same, him. And all of that same. stuff. Yeah. But I think what's nice as well is Ava said, did you do all of this for me? And I think it's really nice for her to see that I really did. But what's also really nice is that I said, I did so much of this alone. Yeah. So you must really know how I feel about you. Yeah. 
Yeah, she can see me now passing thing. the baby to Sim and everybody's sort of helping out and everyone's feeding him and everybody's just involved. But for a long time, you know, for a good many years, it was just me, Ava and Hero. Mm. And so she, she can see the amount of work. She's also said, I'm not going to have a baby until yeah. I'm ready because she can see the amount of work that it takes. But what's so nice is she can see the amount of love you give. Yes. And so when we are at loggerheads or if she wants to go out or she wants longer on her phone and all these other things, she does know that there genuinely is this underlying... She should know that anyway you'd, you'd hope they'd know that yeah but when she can see what I'm doing for him she knows that I did that for her yeah well actually I read a really brilliant quote the other day about um being sort of teenage and how you're desperate for someone in the world to really care about you that way but it's a shame it has to be your parents I thought that's, <laughs> that's a really good way of summing up that emotion yeah. of like I know you're doing all this because you love me but uh, can you just love me in a slightly different shape so I can actually have the phone and stay out and do absolutely. other things absolutely yeah absolutely but then if you obviously if you don't do it then there are no boundaries and the, no, the, I know you know sometimes Hira will say when I say fine go and do exactly what you want mm. tell me what to no, do she'll say that's very unnerving isn't it if you say fine yeah. okay you've decided you're not doing that today okay fine and they're like well, where's the where's the conflict <laughs> um the other thing that's good about having a baby in the house I think when you're as you're growing up is it's a really good diffuser of things as well so if I'm having yes. a sort of uncomfortable chat or if there's an emotional thing going on with one of the older kids because I do feel like the emotional side gets more complex as they get older then having Mickey sort of crawling about or picking things up means that we can occasionally be just happily distracted Blowing raspberries by yeah. just being a baby just being cute exactly yeah. It helps all of us, actually. I think so. And so while you've got your small man and your two girls and your... Big man. Step, yeah, your, is that your big man? And you've got two... I've got two stepchildren. They're, step yeah. they're over tonight as well. So, yeah. we, we, so you know, we're planning what we're going to have for dinner. Busy old house. And so, so what have you got going on at work at the same time? Are you working sort of yeah. pretty much full well, pelt or still ramping it up? Which I suppose it's hard I, to say. I think, I think it definitely changes around. So when I had the girls, I was always on a plane. And I think, you know, my work has just changed anyway by the nature of it. So we can film so much more here. Um, socials mean that you don't have to go and do interviews abroad. Mm. But um, I was always, always on a plane with them. And, and um, for a lot of their childhood, I was working for CNN. So oh, wow. they became the CNN mascots. Really? It's, and I, when I look back now, I, I look back and I think, I don't know how anyone put up with me. I don't know how... They, I mean, they, they, look, it's all credit to them. They were just so incredibly welcoming and all of the team just loved them. But I've got photos of the girls in Egypt and at the Acropolis and, and uh, meeting Jackie Chan at the Super Bowl. And when I just think of all the really random places uh, in Cannes every single year, uh, uh, in Tribeca, it's just the Brooklyn Bridge. They they were just always there. But that's because, amazing. You do no, all this travelling with them. It's, it's they, travel I'm thinking of. The day yeah. job is one thing, but getting on long-haul planes with small people Yeah, but quite... here's the thing. I didn't know any different. Yeah. So I didn't know how to do it, or I didn't know how to not do it. Yeah. So I just thought, well, this is what I do, and now I'm on my own. So mm, they just come with me now. Yeah. And... That's it. I, and I look back now and I think I'm actually crazy. And I think that if somebody said to me, this is how you're going to do it now, I would say this is impossible. So when you look back, does it look a little bit exhausting? Um, I, I mean, I think because I was younger, that must be the only way I must have been able to do it and completely naive. Yeah. But I remember mashing up bananas for Ava on the red carpet just before the Oscars. I've got the photo. <laughs> I've got the photo. I'm like, what the, what the hell was I doing? 
Yeah, that's I'm, quite a lot to take on. And yeah. also, I, but I like the juxtaposition of that. I mean, I know it's easy for me to say that because I wasn't having the stress of trying to get a small person to eat some banana while I'm about to do my interview George but, Clooney. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. Yes. It's like if I didn't have the photos, I wouldn't believe it had happened. And a lot of the CNN crew now, we've disbanded. But this... Um, you know, it was six years I worked on on, on the screening room show, and um, you know all of them have got photos of the girls yeah. in the most random, most exquisite places. So, what was happening in your work when you had your first baby? Where were you at with all, with all um, that stuff? My first, then? I'd just come out of the jungle. Okay, I was modelling swimwear, terrified because um, it hadn't been announced, and then it had been announced, and um, I remember having the baby and. It was actually Twiggy. Twiggy said to me, she's just going to be a dressing room baby. My, my baby was a dressing room baby. And she was the first person that gave me the confidence to actually put, her, put Ava in a dressing room situation and not feel ashamed that I was doing something wrong. And Twiggy got a... I mean, it all sounds very showbiz. It wasn't very showbiz at the time because, again, you're exhausted. Um, but I remember Twiggy put a, a towel around Ava and fed her mango for me while I, while I was on set. And it was just, you know, other women looking after you. I mean, it, seemingly she was looking after Ava, but actually she was looking after me. Yeah. And she was a single mum. And she just said, they're just dressing room babies. They love it. And Ava, when she first started school, I remember the, uh, the teacher said to me, she's exceptional around adults. Mm. You know, you know she, we have to keep integrating her with the children because she would just gravitate towards the adults because she just yeah. knew where she was at. Yeah. And like, look, she, she soon got in with the kids, but she'd only ever been around the adults. Yeah. You know, I remember someone saying, do you think she should go to nursery? And by that point, she only had a few months in nursery because it was too late. Yeah. Because it never occurred to me. I didn't, you don't necessarily, I don't know, there's no one to tell you how to do it. No, and isn't it amazing when you do feel like you've got that little bit, lack of a map of what you're up to, that the women that you meet at that time in your life, like when you mentioned Twiggy, they... They, make, they play such a massive role in your life at that time massive, as someone where you think, massive. okay, you've been through... And suddenly, someone you might have known for a long time, for me, it's... Um, actually, I think someone you know, a hairdresser and makeup artist called Lisa. Oh, my God, I Lisa love Lisa. Lisa. She comes here all the time oh. so that I don't have to go out. So, yeah. Because she can then just see all the children. Yeah, and she's... She, so when I met her which must have been in about 2000, she already had children who must have been actually probably about the same age as your girls, and I think they must have been about 8 and 12. And, you know, being at the time I was like 21, and I didn't really think too much about the fact that Lisa was working these long hours and working all the time in loads yes. of travel and, and having these younger kids. And then when I had my first baby and was still working with Lisa Lowe's, she was so brilliant and wise. But also suddenly to me, I was so much more open to hearing what she was really yeah. telling me. Because you, until you're actually walking in those shoes, you've got no until idea. Until you're a parent, you don't even see people with buggies. And I remember yeah. when I first got pregnant, I just thought, where did all these people come from? It was like, <laughs> it was like the underground had shut and they'd all suddenly just come back up. Mm. Like suddenly everyone had a buggy. Yeah, buggies. And also you're suddenly in this whole new consumer market, which was very weird. Of yeah. like, Feeding well, off your fear. Yes. Suddenly buying every piece of plastic you could. Exactly. Oh, I, we were laughing because Sim and I went to the cinema and we, we just said, um, we, brought, we brought the baby with us. And we were like, We've got na- I've got a nappy in my pocket. That's it. <laughs> That's all I had. That was it. Yeah. We didn't have the bag. No. We didn't have the buggy. We didn't have anything but a nappy in my pocket. Yeah, and if I you do need that. a feeding, I'd just stick him on my boob. And no, that I'm, was it. I'm the but same. The, the, the thought of doing that with your first child is not a thought at all. I know. Well, now I have to say with my fifth baby, I thought, why does anyone need a baby bag? You just put the stuff in your handbag. They're really tiny <laughs> people. Their clothes fold up really small. So if yeah. I do want to take a change of clothes, I can fit two nappies in my bag quite happily and yeah. some white. I don't, why do I need a baby bag? 
Well, Sim goes renegade, so sometimes if I'm about to go on air, I'll take the baby into the studio with me, um, and then Sim will meet me at the studio, because that's where we'll swap over and pick the baby up, mm. and he'll have nothing with him. So I'm like, you better get home and quick. Good oh, luck. Yeah. I think an, a nappy is not be, you know, I think if you'll be on <laughs> nappy, he just goes relaxed and then it's just unprepared, which is like, so, <laughs> so different uh, scope. But then Richard, even now, I mean, he'll say, oh, I just, you know, Jesse, who's four, like, he's just got dressed and I'll look down, like, his shoes are on the wrong feet. Because <laughs> Richard, I think, picks up any shoe and then puts it on any foot that gets offered to him. And it's like, that's not, or he'll be wearing like the wrong pajamas. Yeah, and, that's cute. Yeah, though. there's quite a lot of that that goes on. But then it's quite satisfying because I know that I don't, you well, know, I'm needed in that role. This is something I've never had, and my girls haven't really had that either, to have a guy around who's, who's doing these things. So this is new for all of us. Mm. You know, there's been massive, massive changes in my life, and I thought I was going to be a single mum forever. And first, the first shock of being a single mum was horrible because I just it's, it's not a blueprint I recognised. And then when I actually realised... When I, when I got into the role of being a single mum, then I actually had the fear of how am I ever going to not be a single mum because I right. really like how this flows. Okay. I like that it's me and my girls. I feel like it's us against the world. I love that we go everywhere together. I love that, that my little, you know, with, with, you know, with my like, three amigos, it just was a really lovely feeling. So how long was that? I mean, just to give us a bit of a timeline. So when, how old were the girls when you became a single parent? Uh, Ava was, was three and Hero has literally just turned one. Oh, wow, really yeah. little. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my goodness. And within that, I was, it was, you know, without it, you know, going into it too much. I mean, it was, it was so crazy. I had to sell up a house. I had to try and sort out finances. I had to find them both a school. I had, I had so, and then you were doing it under such a huge emotional cloud. And, and, you know, I didn't feel like I was a very good mum at all. I felt like I was just surviving. And that, is where Lauren came in. Mm. She was incredible. So I know that you know Lauren, but Lauren is the godmother to both of my children. This is Lauren Levan we're talking about here. So Auntie Lala. Uh. (laughs) And she's a working mum. And, you know, her husband, um, Graham, who's now become really good friends with with my boyfriend, Sim, at the time, he was exceptional too. He'd just come over and come and help fix the fence. I mean, I became very, very, very good at fixing all kinds of things and not really wanting that help because I felt like I was taking too much from other people. I didn't want that. But people really do step up. Yeah, They really step up. Yeah. And it just becomes, I don't know, it must be my girl's DNA because they adore, they adore Auntie Lala. Mm. Yeah, well, it's it's an incredibly intense thing to go through. And also, just to sort of reassure you, I've got... Uh, one girlfriend going through it at the moment and I was raised in the same way as uh, you were with your you were handling things with your daughters and that my mum and I had a few years where it was just the two of us yeah and she when I spoke to her about it was saying I I was not a very good mum it was not my best mothering she said it a lot and I was quite surprised because my mum's always seen seemed incredibly together incredibly capable and also now we're so close and I turn to her for like literally everything I ask her advice about everything and I yeah. I've I, I ne- it never really occurred to me that she ever thought she wasn't a good mother because she's Oh my she's God, so clean. every single day you go into bed and you just think, you know, did I mother or did I just get through the but day? surviving is, is actually the most powerful thing you I can know, but do, then everyone looks it? like Mary Poppins comparatively and also everyone mm. then thinks you should have a smile on your face. And like, you know, I've, my other best friend is my manager. Mm. I don't, do you know Sev? I've met her, but I don't so know her. So her name is Severine and she is, she's also a stepmother, but um, her her stepchildren are far older and she's now got two younger children but I actually would have folded without her Mm. 
and that's not that's not lashings of drama. She she was there for the four a.m. starts when I was showing up to do breakfast TV. She was standing in the car park waiting for me to arrive just to make sure I could get out of the car. And again, I think if anybody hasn't been through a divorce or or anything, you know, even similar, it is grieving. It's yeah. It's trying to you know reconfigure a life that you thought you were going to have, and suddenly having to overnight you know, come up with a new solution as to how to live. And if you don't have your girlfriends around you, I'd say it's nigh impossible. I really would. Yeah. Because you don't you don't know yourself. Hmm. And yet you need to try and keep things on an even kill for your own children. And so without Sev and without a lot of my, my friends around me, I genuinely don't know how I would have done it. And they're, they're the friends that would ring at 3am knowing you were awake. Yeah. They're the friends that would knock on the door when you said, don't come over. It's making me feel a bit teary, actually. It's really making <laughs> me think mean, of my like, friends, oh. sorry. But um, I think it, you're right, it's grieving, but it's also trauma. It's a profound oh, trauma. Yeah. Because there's a sort of... It's like taking a bullet. I've said it yeah. before, but it really is. Yeah, exactly. And I think you put yourself under so much pressure because no, one, no one's died. You know, you're just but on they, your they own. Have. They actually have. What you thought you had has died. Yeah, I know. And, the, and, 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 and I know that the people I know close to me that have gone through it just keep saying, oh, this is not what I signed up for. No. How is this my life? How on earth am I here in this situation now? I don't, I didn't ask for this. And now no matter what, no matter how I'm feeling, I've got to get up every morning, get these small people dressed, get them to school. Yes. All the stuff that happens, you know, the, the parents evening and seeing people at the gate yes. and, and the... the there's things like that that will blow you, that, that, that will just catch you. So... Mm. I remember going to parents' evening for the first time. Like, and here's the funny thing, I'd always done it alone anyway. I don't know why I felt like it. Yeah. As Sev said to me, there's not actually going to be a very big change in your life, Leans, because you've always done it alone. Mm-hmm. But I think it, for me, was the emotional shift of knowing I am alone, it's definitive now, this is, this is yeah. official. And I sat in parents' evening, and you sit in those silly little chairs that you can't either yeah. get in or out of, and there's another little chair next to me. And I, and I just thought oh my God, I am alone. Yeah. actually alone. And then the weird thing now is I go to parents' evening, which I'm actually going to tonight, and I know that I have the option of Sim coming mm. if, if, if that's, you know, what I want. But uh, I got so used to doing it alone, I kind of like it. I, I, it's a very, very odd way to describe it because you, you, you then have to learn to let someone back into your life and to share the jobs and to do the jobs that you know you can get done quicker. Mm. But it's actually just nice to just have somebody else there at the end of the day and somebody who's genuinely on your side, yeah. genuinely loves you and wants to be there. And it's a totally different feeling. And I suppose I could have shortchanged my daughters and this is what I would tell your friend. Mm. If... If I'd stayed in a relationship that wasn't right for me, that was actually toxic, there's no other way of describing it, mm. I would have shortchanged my daughters to have a blueprint for what, you know, let's hope, touch wood, you never know what's going to happen, but, you know, they, we have a very, very happy relationship in this house. And I yeah. wouldn't have, we, you know, he's a, we, we wouldn't have a little Snoopy. We wouldn't have him. I can hear him now. <laughs> he's still I know, upstairs. I like it. Um, well, yeah, I think that's, that's you know, from the, from the other point of view, as the... The child who went through that—that is—that is, that is the, the sort of happy ending feeling you do get when there's a new relationship and things are happy. And actually, I, I don't have overwhelming memories of my mum being sad. It just was quite serious, I would say, for that bit of my childhood when it was the two of us, because it was quite intense. And so, you know, if there's just two of you a lot of the time, you know, the fun is quite 
you, you can't stumble across it in the same way you can when there's a busy home and lots of things happening and someone who's feeling upbeat. So when John the, came into the li- our lives and then Jack was born, it was just like, ah, it just it was like... Your lo- mum got her rebirth again as well. Yeah, definitely. Because here's the problem. Mum is just mum. Mm. That's it, that's mum, mum. But actually, when the children have gone to bed at seven... Well, mum's a person again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and mum's got... She, after she's done her laundry and cleaned the kitchen, picked the food up and sorted out the school bags and checked the homework and done whatever emails, then, then the, the silence is deafening. Yeah. And there's only so many times you can ring your girlfriends, then you think, well, actually, they're trying to sort out bath time and have times with their husbands. When I actually think how many times I rang Sev, I'm amazed she's still married because she spent so much time on the phone to me or here with me that her own husband... He, he had to forego a lot and make a huge sacrifice for her mm. to be that friend to me. Yeah, but then when you're... That is actually what friendship is. So you're not thinking, oh, I would never have signed up to this if I'd known you were going to go through something so, so sad. <laughs> you know, you just think, I'm your friend and I love you and okay, let's do this. And you feel like if this will be reciprocated because that is the nature of friendship, actually. But I actually think that that, that bond you have with those girlfriends in those times is is a really, um, I mean, you always know it's there, but to have that feeling so completely that those people will drop everything and be there is actually a really incredible thing to know it's there. It's well, very there's, special. There's the picture that you probably saw on the way into my kitchen that says family, uh, 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 friends of the family you choose. Mm. And Sav gave that to me. And that's, you know, everything moves around the kitchen all the time, but that doesn't move mm. because I want my girls to know. It's so important that my girls know that, that you know, that they can choose their family. And I think, you know, it can be quite... Um, it, it, I, I think it's the wrong lesson to teach that family is everything when you haven't necessarily got the right family. You can Absolutely. feel like your puzzle's incorrect and if the pieces don't, you know, fit together and you're told to continue working at it, if you've got someone in your family that's not treating you well, whether it's a mother or a father or, yeah. a, or a brother or an uncle, and you're told to keep on working because family comes first. Yeah. And I just think, actually, you know what? Actually, it doesn't quite work that way at yeah, all. So my friends people. have been my family. Yeah. And I've said to the girls, if something happens to me, you call Sev or you call Lala and they will be there for you. They know every intimate detail of my life. Mm. They know everything and they still love me. I'm like these crazy women. But you call them, they know everything. And so how was it for Sim when he had to come into meeting friends that are that, that tight with you? That's quite a big thing for him probably. It's funny because my girlfriends were so willing it's for, for it to happen for me because I'd sit in the car with Sev going, saying I don't want to meet anybody mm-hmm. I actually thought I was going to be like Madonna I mean I don't know who I think I am <laughs> <laughs> but she seems like she knows what she's doing so I thought um this is my plan she seems to just have a really happy life and her daughter seems quite balanced and you know she doesn't really seem she's tied to anybody she's, yeah and she's just carrying on and working so I'm going to be like Madonna that's, okay there's my blueprint <laughs> well I think the thing to learn from someone like Madonna and the thing I've always loved about her is the, the lack of apology for anything and I'm still yes. really terrible at that so yeah. women that are just doing things without ever having to say sorry about anything yeah. I actually think is a pretty cool cool thing to aim for yeah no matter what your setup. Um, and I think I'll probably be trying to learn that for a long time because I don't know Madonna seemed to come into her world with a bit of a mission whereas I feel like part of the reason that I do what I do is because I'm also a people pleaser I don't know if Madonna really seems to be so she, she less, must have that somewhere but I'm I can't less of a people pleaser since I actually since I got divorced 
Oh, really? Because I actually realised the people who genuinely are there for me and the things that I went through, uh, it, it, it's so defining for you as a person that actually you'd be doing them a disservice to then just let people in that, that are fair weather. It was the, the quickest cull of my Christmas card list you ever did see. Mm, but mm. it was brilliant because... I learned my lesson so early on in life. I think, you know, some people get to 50, 60 and then they know the five friends that are there for them. Whereas I know that already. Yeah. So I suppose that if you are going to look for the silver lining, that's it right there. I know who's there. But yeah, Madonna is unapologetic and I thought she had quite a good blueprint. <laughs> so just the problem is I'm not Madonna. <laughs> so There's I don't know how long it would have lasted. No, don't worry about that. There's only one Madonna. And that's the way she wants to keep it. Don't be so hard on yourself, Loons. <laughs> oh, well, when you look back, are you surprised at how strong you are? Because there's yeah. so much strength that goes on with that. Yeah, 100%. I really am. To the point that now when I speak to the girls about it you know Ava remembers so much about it and Hera remembers the feelings of it but then she um now that she has friends that are single mums it's funny I think that she she just gravitates towards them because she knows how much strength is involved and she well both of them they love working mums and if you're a working single mum I mean it's like triple ticks because they just know how much you're doing their respect for it is infinite Mm -hmm. as is mine because mm. you know every single day I just I'm prepared for the plates that I'm about to drop yes whereas I also know that it, it's not the end of the world as long as I can get everybody to bed happy you know the laundry can wait you know even the homework can wait there are things that just can wait but I need to get everybody to bed happy and just you know just content that I think you know I've lowered the bar whereas before you know that's still where my bar is but I just get everybody into bed happy and content that is still that for me I I, I think it just changes around and I I have the greatest the greatest greatest respect for working mums and I've got a lot of friends who are working mums and who are the breadwinners for their families which isn't necessarily something that you know I grew up around or understood and mm. I still don't quite understand it. I still feel like I am fudging this every single day. I don't know how it really works. And I think it's really impacted me because I do sit with the children and we call it mama school. So every Saturday morning we do an hour of mama school mm-hmm. and Sims children love it now. And, and I will pick a topic that I think is going to benefit them and we'll have a chat about it. And, and they always love doing household budget. This is one that gets repeated over and over again. So I give everybody 20 pasta pieces and then I say, right, give me the mortgage. And they throw it into the pot. Then I'll say, right, now give me house, uh, give me the water rates, give me gas, give me electricity, uh, school, clothes, uniform, food. And they keep chucking it all into the pot. And I keep doing it until they've got one pasta piece left and they all look utterly devastated. And I say, well, that's, that's for you to spend at the cinema or whatever else it is that you'd like. Oh, flat tyre sorry I'm taking it off you and Ava said is this how you feel every month (laughs) and so now you know it's I'm not saying that it's you know completely comprehensive but I think little things like that I want them to understand their surroundings I want them to know how to fix a tap which we did last night Mm. I want them to know how to do things because they they most certainly are with how things run in the world that we live in now they're going to be called to do that Mm. yeah and do you think that's always the sort of where you would have mothered them or do you think it's circumstances that are influencing them wanting them to be so capable and switched on? I want them to be capable and switched on for sure but I was you know I was raised by a nurse and a Navy I'm a Navy brat so when you've got a dad in the forces and a a mum who's a nurse your arm could be falling off and you'd still go to school right so I'm wondering if there's a bit of that in me 
um, also, you know, both of you and I, we both work for SAVE and I do a lot of trips abroad to... Uh, and you see things that nobody should see or no yeah. child should experience. And then I come back here and I think, I want... <laughs> It was the intercom. Uh, I was thinking he's really able to project his voice. <laughs> Sorry, so do you want to... How do we do that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have a little bit of it, but... Do you want to stop and go... It's just there, it's there. The intercom's just... I just I can want see to go it. up and see it. Oh, no, I can just switch it? the intercom off. Okay. Yeah, anyway. I can see it on the wall there. Okay. Good opportunity to have a swig of coffee as well. I know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was going to ask you what your parents did when you were small. So that's actually quite a, probably quite a defining thing as well, if they're a nurse in, in the Navy, your mum being... I just think what it, what it does is because my, my, my dad worked away so much so I had to know how to change the oil in the car and fix the pilot light in the boiler and little things like that. And so I then... I just want the girls to be able to do those things. I don't want them to feel helpless. I think that's the worst thing you can mm. ever feel in the world is helpless. And I've got friends who don't know where the fuse box is or where the gas, where to do the gas reading or how to turn the water off if it all goes wrong. And mm. I'm, I think, actually, maybe I wouldn't have banged on that drum as much as I do now, but I think when I became a single mum, I have to know where all those things are in the house. Mm. I have to run the house. Yeah. And... Um, also, I, I felt less vulnerable, I think, because I'm really a practical person. So if I could do things that would practically help us, mm. that made me feel better. I don't, yeah. know if, I don't know if that's a psychological tactic or... I mean, it does make sense that you should know those things, but is it going to save the world? If not, if it really does all go wrong, I'm sure I can ring somebody that could help. But it just, you know, a lot of people think it might be my pride. It, might, it was just actually my way of looking after the children and yeah. really feeling... If I knew how the house ran, if I knew how to look after them from a practical point of view, which when you are a child, so much of it is practical. Yeah. I'm cold, I'm hungry, I'm bored. Mm. It's just, it rolls in that way. I wanted to be able to just know that I, I, I had that. I think it's a lot of things, actually. I think you're right that it's obviously practical and probably psychological, but it also, if you're slightly in free fall or feeling a bit out of control of things there's only so much time that your brain can keep thinking about things that are actually out of your control and focusing on jobs that you can control or can attempt to is a, is quite reassuring I mean I know it's I don't know if it's quite the same thing but I know when when my baby first two babies were born very early and they were in hospital a lot there's lots of stuff going on and bells and whistles in the hospital and they've all got their own you know, nurse assigned and you're not supposed to touch them before you sterilise your hands and it's all very medicalised and your role is quite... You feel a little bit redundant, really, because the, the survival is not really down to you, it's down to all the clever medical equipment. But if I could focus on the feeding, then that became the thing I could do that you know, was yeah. the thing that could fill a gap that can't be... That, that, you know, I felt more, more useful. But actually, when I look back, I think it became a really big fixation, more because I actually felt incredibly frightened about what might happen to my babies um yeah I get it okay. yeah so I think it's like I think when you're responsible for someone you know feeling safe the love bit is, is easier to sort out but the safety thing then I think that yeah you do get very focused on the what can I do what's the thing that I can do that will actually yeah. progress us towards feeling safe in that those ways but also you know you do all of these things and your children see right through it I will never ever forget you know I moved into this house um everyone had been incredible uh, you know my, my cousin Sev Lauren 
husbands, everybody came along and helped um, their husbands, not mine. Mm. <laughs> I'm so sorry, it wasn't clear. <laughs> um, so Lauren would bring Graham, Sev would bring Vinny, everybody was helping, my cousin came along and it was just, you know, this house has been built on love. This, is, this house is built on nothing else but love. And I love that about this house. It is my sanctuary without a shadow of a doubt. But it's funny because we were in the, standing in the hallway and Hero just said it to me off the cuff. She said, it's really funny because you do that loud laugh and you do that smile, but it never, it never goes to your eyes. Your eyes always still look sad. And I was just like, Christ, she got me. Yeah, they can floor you with that sort of she thing. She got me. And I just thought, but I thought, I thought I was getting away with it. Mm. Well, yeah, I suppose, yeah, as you say, they can just get you sometimes but then I mean I've had similar things with my kids all the time like perception and actually my oldest boy is really I think really quite precocious with his empathy even when he was really little and so sometimes when he'll say something about me or a friend of ours and you're like wow how did you work that it's out? funny you say that I've got feeling. the exact same with Hero oh really Hero spotted very recently that someone didn't have their wedding ring on that came to the house and I just said it's fine she probably just washed her hands and so she made this massive deal of it and then anyway I just said to her look Auntie, I'm so sorry. She's like, he was really worried. Could you just tell her that you, your wedding ring's not on because you washed your hands? And then she burst into tears and she went, oh. And I'm like, oh my God. Hero picks up on every vibe. Wow. She's so good. Picks up on things that I don't even see. So she was right. So I'm like, you watch everything, Hero, and you come back and you report to me. Yeah, yeah. that's a good ally, actually. <laughs> she's, she's handy to have. But it's funny because when I met Sim then, you know, the, the things I was looking for in Sim or not even knowing to look for, um, changed. Because you're not looking for somebody for just you anymore. You know, I, 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 I then had to think, well, is he going to then fit with my children? Mm. Can he love my children? And that is a massive ask yeah. for anybody. You know, because when I think I had to do it in reverse, you're being asked to, to love complete strangers in the way that you love your own children and you die for your own children. Yeah. And so, you know, I think everything changes in, in how you look at it. Before, when I was in a pop band, it was just it was just fun and you're out there and you just don't have to worry about these things. You're like, and then later you become a single mum and you think, I'll still be Madonna because that's yeah. a good idea. But <laughs> now here I am in my house and, and it did all fall into place. I got my house and I got my girls into schools and I felt that we were settled. Um, I just... I wasn't ready to meet anybody then, but I suppose in my life I, I'd, I'd set up all, all all the little ducks. Ducks were in a row for me to meet somebody. Yeah. And the first thing that I checked when I when I met him is I didn't want to be with someone who had left their family. And as soon as I found out he had a family, I refused to meet him until someone could give me a backstory. Okay. Yeah. I wouldn't meet him, so that was our. He rang me, and that was our our conversation to each other, which isn't the happiest first conversation. But I wanted to know he hadn't had an affair it turns out he he'd been you know the, he'd been on the receiving end of, of an affair but then I was like well then that's nice I will meet you yeah but actually that's <laughs> again your survival thing coming in because you don't want to start having feelings for someone that could hurt you and if you've been through something I didn't want to go I didn't let anybody into this house who had the potential to do that to, exactly. to his family exactly so yeah. I thought if you can have an affair and, and walk out on a family you cannot come into this house yeah, but actually as well, it's quite a different shift probably when you start a new relationship with someone who has got a family. I mean, I think with my stepdad, John, when I met him, he, I think I might have been pretty much the first kid he'd ever really met. And we're incredibly close now and I, I love him very much and he's an amazing man. But 
it took me quite a long time to get him because he was very, he's from Huddersfield, he's very dry sense of humour. Um, and the first thing I ever got from him was at Christmas time, he gave me a, a pack of balloons that said, happy birthday, Jane. And my mum thought it was quite funny. And yeah, exactly, that's the face I made. Like, what? I mean, now I kind of get that for him, it was just like, well, that's funny, it's Christmas and your name's Sophie. Like, but if you're a seven-year-old kid, you're just thinking... What? I don't get this man. And actually, I remember... Because my mum was always very careful about who she introduced me to. She did do a little bit of dating. She'd been with my dad between the age of, like, 16 and 27, I think it is. So hadn't, you know, gone from being a baby pretty much to... And oh, no, of... let me tell you, dating, when you've got children, everyone thinks, oh, my God, it must be so fun because everyone's been married for 100 years or with their boyfriend. It's absolutely terrifying. It's terrifying because you've got a creppy belly now. And you think, you know, I am going to have to keep looking at my phone through this date because there might be something wrong with the children. Or the... Yeah. It's, it's just... <laughs> There's nothing hot and sexy about dating when you're a mum like that. All these people who think, but, you know, you get that time for yourself again. You get to feel like you again. But I'm like, as a mother, you never feel like you again because you've got dependence. Well, I think it's, it's a little bit... The only thing I can think of is it's a little bit like when you first start deciding you want to move home. And so the first bit, you know, you start looking around people's flats and you're like, well, this is quite fun. I get to see inside, like, how people do their houses and maybe I could live here. And after a while, you're thinking, I'm really bored now. This isn't okay. I just yeah. want to find a really nice place where I can live. Yeah. And I'm sort of bored of looking and maybe I'm just never going to find it. And I'm sick of it's the novelty of looking around other people's oh, homes. Oh, the novelty totally wore, wore off. off very quickly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the novelty wore off really quickly. And I would just sit there thinking, not just do I like you, I, I would think what's Hero going to make of you? Are you going to scare her? Or mm. Ava's going to buy, and, you're going to, you know, buy and sell you in a second? And you're not dating as a one. Mm. I was dating as a three. Yeah. yeah. So it's really hard. I think what your mum did is, I, I have the, nothing but the greatest of respect for her to be a single working mum, then, you know, meeting a guy that you think, no, this is, this is the guy for us. Yeah. You have to have so much trust. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right because, yeah, initially I was not sure and I remember my mum had said to me, you're allowed to tell me if, you know, you don't, don't like him. And I was like, okay, I, I don't. I just had these stupid balloons. I was like, I don't really, I don't really get it, mum. And she was like, trust me, he's, he's actually a really good man. And she was completely right. And looking back at the sort of timeline, um, I think she was already expecting my brother at that point because it happened so quickly. Yeah. So, you know, she must have been thinking you know, this is another emotional thing I've got to try and navigate my way through because I know I'm committed to this relationship and there's a yeah. new future ahead of for us, but my daughter needs a little bit more time to get no, used well, to it. Well, we were together for a year and a bit before we met and then it was actually Sim that bottled. We were all, we all arranged for the children to meet here. Mm. Oh, wow. And the girls had completely covered the... They knew that I had a boyfriend. They, mm. they you know, I, I actually told them about him. And uh, they covered the entire um, uh, garage with um, chalk drawings and welcome to, you Aww, know. Yeah, lovely. they wanted to make it nice. And they'd already met Sim at this point and they thought he was nice. But to put the children together, that was nerve-wracking beyond belief. And he bottled it. He rang the night before and he went, mm, I think they're really tired. I think we should do it another time. They're just not going to be able to cope with the long car journey. Now, knowing him as I do, he would have been tail-spinning. Yeah. But at the time, I just thought, said, look, all the children know this is happening. This is really unfair. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not about what we think now. It's, it's their go. Yeah. But I was, this was total bravado too. Yeah. Because I was terrified. 
And yeah, well, that is quite nerve-wracking, but it all, it all seems so to... There's so many layers, you know, when people yeah. just say, oh, we're a blended family now. And I'm like, you have no idea how... You know, I'd say for a conventional 2.4 family, which is, again, brings its own challenges, mm. that's tricky. But when you've got people that, you know, didn't wish to be in this position... Yeah. No one wished to be in this position. No. And you're, you're putting them all together and hoping that, they, that you get, you know, the outcome or just an outcome that you'd like. It's It's... You put so much faith in your children, but we did, but we both did that. We put a lot of trust and faith in our children, and thank God it worked out. Yeah, they ran there in the garden, and it was it was quite special actually. Oh, that must have been incredible to sort of look at and be like, oh, the two of us held our breath the entire time. Yeah, we really did. And now I look at this house, and it's funny because the way I configured the house as a mum of two girls to know how the house looks as a mum of five children. Yeah. I mean, you're a mum of five, but you knew that was coming. <laughs> yeah. I've moved a lot of things around this house now, and it's quite nice, actually, to see how things have moved. And, you know, one room was meant for one thing, and actually it's not. I don't have the spare room now because, yeah. you know, it's taken up with, with all of our children. And I just think, you know, sometimes you, you don't know what's good for you. Yeah. It's just as well that I'm not in charge of my own destiny because what do I know? Yeah, well, that's the thing. You've got to sort of turn on your back and, and, and float sometimes and see where the current takes you a little bit. And it's funny, we've been speaking so much about all these really complicated layers of what's happening at home, but all the time you weren't, haven't just been doing one job. You seem to have, I mean, your Wikipedia has a fun time trying to count <laughs> or your day jobs, really. Because when we first uh, met, yes, which was, um, I think, back in sort of 2001, because yeah. we were um, on the same label when you were... Stablemates. With... Yes, exactly, Stablemates, when you were in Hearsay and i just released my first album. And I remember um, this really funny time when I think we had a... Uh, like a radio roadshow to get to. So all of Hearsay were on a plane and I was on the plane and Daniel Beddingfield was I on the plane. I remember this so well because I feel like you were the epitome of just what class should be. I felt, really? I felt so sorry for you because we were a bunch of morons. There was five of us from Hearsay and Daniel Beddingfield putting a banana skin on everyone's shoulder. And I remember you just sitting at the back of the plane and I just was like, this poor woman was saying... And Noel was trying to see if he could fit his fist in his mouth. So we all then tried to see if we could do that because... That's what we did in a pop band. We just yeah. had nothing better to do. So we were flying around on this plane, the Polydor plane, with Daniel Buddyfield, the banana skins, and all of us trying to see if we could fit our fists in our mouth. Yeah. And you just sat at the back. Oh, and I think I just was actually really shy. Everybody seemed so confident. <laughs> oh, and Daniel Buddyfield was like beatboxing away. Yes! <laughs> yes, he was! <laughs> um, and I remember thinking, if the plane goes down, I'm sort of the big bopper here, probably. Like, I'm just <laughs> right out this Gosh. <laughs> it's just such a weird feeling. Pop roadkill. Just yeah, pop roadkill. Exactly. But, um, so, I mean, have you ever uh, heard anything more 2001 than exactly. that entire sentence of who was on that plane? I know. I was, I was literally about to say the same thing. <laughs> it's so funny to look back and think on all of that. I mean, I wonder like, what you, at that point, would think of where you are now. I mean, a lot of oh times gone God. by. Oh my God, seriously? I, I, I don't even know what my, my 23-year-old self would think of this. I really don't, because I think you do have an idea in your mind. I thought, I thought, here's how we're going to live forever. I just go <laughs> to show how I did laugh so readily. <laughs> it's, it was entirely possible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just had no idea. Absolutely no idea. All the gear, no idea. 
That I was mean, just us all over. I had I my did. little hearsay belts and I just thought we were going to rule the world. <laughs> we were on borrowed time already. So. But how, I mean, but that, yeah, well, like, to be honest, if, if I wasn't a solo artist, I'm sure the Sophie Ellison Bexter would have gone solo a long time ago. I mean, it's like, <laughs> I've only stayed together because I can't break up. <laughs> um, but so at that point, sort of leading up to when you did become a mum, was, was it mainly pop music that was what you were doing up until then? Pop, you I mean, pop music is funny because like, I, I wasn't even meant to be an essay. I was working as a, a session musician. Oh, so if you okay. can sight read, you are gold dust. Yes. On the, uh, on the, and especially as a singer, you are absolute gold dust. So I could play, like, so I'd do whatever piano sessions or anything else. But uh, whenever they needed a, a mezzo sight reader, I worked nonstop because you don't get mezzo sight readers. No. So I was... No, I have to say, singing, sight reading singing is completely... I'm wowed by it. I can't do it at don't all. Be. Honestly, I just, it's just a thing. I just, it, I don't know if everyone's got their thing. And I just, really, I didn't know at the time I could make money from it. Because wow. I, I just find it really easy. I find everything really hard, but I found this was just that's all... super impressive. But no, it's not because I can play the piano so I can see where it goes. And that's all it was really. And I didn't have a very high voice. I wasn't, you know, I didn't stand out for any particular reason. I didn't mm. have a high voice, I didn't have a low voice. I mean, it's typical that I would be cast as a mezzo. And I was a mixed race girl having spent most of my time grew up in Norfolk trying to keep my skin white and trying to trying to fit in suddenly all the things that didn't fit were the reasons I was getting bookings yeah you know and I was getting bookings working for Cliff Richard and Katie Lang and Michael Crawford and and Robbie Williams and oh, so wow. I'd just go in and do these recordings and I was meant to be on the Brits as a backing vocalist for Robbie Williams and then it's very well remembered that he say that was our first gig at the Brits we got booed by the record industry and I lost you my booking booed. we got booed that's so rude well I get it now now I look I at it I don't think you should boo anyone well no I do me. think about it you know what all those big male record execs booing a bunch of kids yeah it, it you know it, it wouldn't sit well now no nobody way. would allow no that way. to happen you know us mums wouldn't allow that to happen if i no. saw that happening on stage I, i'd be taking them out yeah with you and lauren by my side Definitely. but you know that's what was happening at the time people didn't like you know the birth of of reality shows or x factor like shows because they could see it was the death knell of something else well, I don't know about that because I think they just got annoyed because it was very, very successful and seemed to sort of do a, do things in a different way. But they can sit, there's room for everybody, actually. Well, they didn't see it that way because I remember that audience. But you know what? Fair play because I learned a lot and I do feel for you when you say that actually that you were on your own. I feel really sad for you because I think the best parts of hearsay they, they wrote about how tumultuous it was and everyone was arguing no the best bits where we were together yeah I can and I that. remember Kim I remember her going boo go on boo louder like come on then and I just remember her getting really leery and thinking oh my god I'm, this is quite funny yeah that's so, good you could see it that way as well but if can... I'd been on my own I don't think I would have seen it that way no being booed I think I would have been terrifying pretty, pretty personal <laughs> wasn't it you can't pretend it's oh it's probably that we got one. used to <laughs> it do you know what in here so it became like our calling card <laughs> but at the time it was it was really good fun but at the time I was meant to be singing for Robbie Williams at oh, the wow. same gig so oh, funny. my life changed very quickly but you ask, you know, what would I have made of it? And I just think there's been so many twists and turns. I went into classical music straight after that. You go back to your foundations. You go back to what you know. Yeah. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Um, yeah. So, that that, so after that time. is when you went to the classical things. So I, I went into classical music and I felt a lot more comfortable. Yeah. You know what? I mean, it was fun to do the pop thing, but I, I really didn't understand so much of it. I really just didn't get it. No, but then I didn't either. I'd come from like an indie band before, right? right? So the pop thing to me was also and major labels and the way all decisions were made was really perplexing. Well, I'd be going into studios, and again, don't get me wrong, because there's a lot for me to learn about the desks and all sorts, but I'd be going into studios with producers that I knew more about reading music than they did. Well, I was going to say, reading music makes you highly overqualified for a lot of pop. <laughs> it's funny. I, I remember, us, I won't say which track it is because then you'll know which producer it was, but I remember just saying to the guy, you're, it's just an E-flat. You're missing an E-flat. Because he sat at the keyboard and he's like, something's wrong. Somebody's done. I was just like, it's just an E-flat, dude. It's an E-flat. And it was almost like, you know, you know your place. And after that, you then almost become a product of your environment. So I remember us flying out to, to work with Stargate in Norway and I just sat on the sofa eating marshmallows and, you know, yeah, just think, not okay. thinking then, not yeah. playing the piano, not doing anything. And then what was nice is, you know, I did enjoy playing the piano and having those gigs in the band, but you do sort of, you do fall into line. Um, so do you, because since, since then you've now got so many feathers in your cap of areas where you do lots of Well, that's because of hearsay. I learned we made more money in hearsay from the dealy boppers okay. than we did from the tour tickets, right. from the, the songs, because we were splitting that so many ways, as you'll know, well, you won't know, <laughs> this is the whole thing. We split it five ways with the band, six ways with the manager, seven ways with the record company, oh, eight pasta. with the TV company. Pasta. My pasta is going into the bowl, <laughs> and I've got one piece left. Exactly. So, you know? So uh, we, we realised that the cars were 
siphoning off our money because we had five lots of cars. They were siphoning off our money every single day we left them running. And what was bringing in our money were the dealie boppers. So if any of the stands opened late on tour or closed early, that's where we would feel it, we'd see it. And I was fascinated by the accounts. Mm. I would go to the, the, the meetings. Wow. I would do all of that, especially towards the end when we lost management and lost pretty much everybody. I, would, I, I knew those books inside out. That's so, so impressive. It really isn't. It really isn't. It's just, again, I suppose me being practical, when, when Rome is burning, I'm like, yeah. what can I do? I know, I'll fix the fuses. I'll go, to, I'll, I'll go and do something practical. I think it is impressive, not just because you had the desire to know about it and to sit in, but because I would have been so intimidated. And even now, I think, I feel like your relationship with money and the, and actually all the things you were talking about before, all the stuff of how to be practical and home, all that, I feel like they should put that as part of, School. Well, this is why Syllabus. I do what I do with my children. This yes. is why I sit down and we do pasta pieces, household budget, know where the fuse box is. When I'm doing the ironing and, and if I've got the iron on, the washing machine on and the uh, tumble dryer, sometimes, and I don't know why because it doesn't happen every time, but the fuse, the fuse just goes. Mm. So I, I've showed the girls what to do and, you know, they just, they, they'll fix it. And, I, and wow. you know, we've done first aid courses recently in the house because, again, I want them to feel empowered and, and they, they can fix things. And I think, you know, I don't know what, where that trait comes from, but the more I talk about it, the more I think about what do I do in times of crisis, I just try to fix things. Mm. And I think there's actually, you know, Ava has said to me, that's what I will, I will take from my own children. I'd like to do household budget. I'd like to show them how, how to feel empowered as a woman. She, you know, it's really good that she's recognised that. Trust me, there's a whole list as long as you're on the things that she probably won't do <laughs> that I tell her to do. But I think just not feeling helpless is just a really nice um it's a better place to be isn't it than just waiting for someone else to fix it it's amazingly empowering and they will definitely take so much of that onto their adult life and then if they become mothers to their children too and to your son and you know your stepchildren they'll all carry that that's that is that's the, the wonderful thing about that stuff well, i've it's said brilliant. to the girls just always have a trade if mm. it all goes to shit yeah have a trade you know my daughter's started teaching now okay piano, and i teach my stepdaughter so, because she was, she used to stand around the side of the door watching me teach the girls. And I said to her one day, I said, do you want to learn? And she, was, she said, yes. And now that's our little thing that we have together as well. Oh, that's really so nice. So, I'm taking her for her grade two exam in, ooh, next week. I'll get to sit and watch Sim go green. He mm. go, he can't cope with the nerves. And it's You're just You're allowed nice. to sit in on the exam? You sit in, you, you can sit in the room next door. I was going to say. Can't be, it's sat there. Store. <laughs> so. A bit distracting if your parents are like literally sat there while you're playing. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't remember that. But it's I just it. something that I can give to her. And I said, look, you know, you've got a trade. It's yeah. the same as being a plumber or it's just to have something that you can, A, enjoy, but also, you know, Ava's, you know, she doesn't make loads of money from it, but it's more the idea of yeah. you can make something. But, I mean, you talked a lot about practicality, but there must be ways that, because you're a creative person, it's not like you do all practical jobs, they're creative jobs. So there must be ways that, your I like the two going together. Mm. So I was talking about the dealie boppers, how they made the money. That's what then carried on with the rest of my business life. So I realised actually, you know, I, I was the first person to have a baby brand in this country because I looked at JLo's working model. I looked at how she put together her, her working model of celebrity branding because there hadn't been that before. No, it's for, for, our, for us. 
that came in probably just the first thing I remember was Madonna doing something with H and M. Do you remember that? Like in the late yeah. 90s. And it was yeah. at the time it was really quite yeah. shocking because it was the first time you'd seen someone, a, a creative person. and jump, a, in, jump into a different lane. Yeah, and doing something very corporate. Yeah. And then before you knew it, it was like, well, why haven't you got a sunglasses range if yeah. you're bringing out an album? If you're or selling everybody else's. Mm. Well, I've, until only literally a few months ago before Mother Co went into um, liquidation, um, you know, I, w- I, I was with them for 13 years. Oh, wow. Actually, 14 years, because Ava's 13 this year. 14 years. So to have had a brand running that long, it's been really, you know, I've learned how to both be creative but monetize um, that creativity and, 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 you know, be able to raise my children with it. But yeah. at the same time, really, I, you know, I love that creativity. I love that input. I love being able to create something different. I wasn't going to be in, a, in the pop arena <laughs> for, for long or... No. For any time at all, really. Um, By the time the plane had landed, I was out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it sounds like you were doing quite a lot of observing and learning, actually, because you, if you're, you know, to be in something so so high profile in such a big, um, speedy rise to fame, and then also for also dismantle. I had a similar experience, but on a much much smaller scale with my first band when we were really hyped, signed a record deal, front cover of the music press, and then we would split up like within two years. And I think it taught me so much in that time. Oh you God, did it's, it it's the biggest apprenticeship I have ever had mm. because everything I learnt at music college. I look back and, you know, it was this, the Royal Academy. It was amazing, but it was practical. Mm. I didn't learn the business side of the music business. Mm. And you can learn facts and figures, but you need to also learn people. You need to learn how it actually works. Mm. And, you know, it's, it is people just being nice to other people. You yeah. know, you will give a job to your friend over somebody that you don't know if they've been nice and they can get the job done. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. And just watching how, you know, like I said, there were producers who couldn't read music. Yeah. That didn't stop them. No. And then I learned there's singers who can't sing. That didn't stop them either. So I'm like, I'm like, okay, right, it's open season. So you can basically do anything you want to do. Yeah. Which is actually quite a liberating place to be in. I wasn't a designer. Many people wanted to turn around and say, you know, and chastise me for not being a designer. But I wear clothes and I know what I like. And if you don't like them, don't buy them. Yeah. So um, I worked with M&S. And then I went straight on to working with Little Woods and I've worked and, you know, that's been like eight years all in for those two brands mm-hmm. and, and now um, soon to announce the next brand that's coming up. Oh, so yeah. it's, you know, I love the business side of it. I've, I really do. But I still think I, I, I try and keep it as creative as I possibly can. Yeah. And do you still feel as ambitious as ever for all those things? And I don't have that massive, massive hunger because I feel like I've been to every country I could ever wish to go to and seen the best of it because you get taken around by the tourism board, the head mm. of tourism. You know, I, I've, there's, a, there's an Egyptian um, uh, tour in town at the minute, but the very first time I saw that was when Ava was one years old and the head of antiquities took me to go and see the head of Tutankhamun, which for me, being obsessed with Egyptology, was like a dream come true. And I thought, is this what I can do? Is this what I get the chance to do because yeah. of the job I do? Then I'm like, well, this is the best job in the world. So, you know, you know, there are things, there are doors that you get to open that you never even knew existed. Yeah. There are so many crazy experiences that I've had that you, you just, you don't believe they even exist. That's so true. And actually it's so nice as well to be open to so many things. I think that's... But also be, go home to, be able to go home to your family. Yes. I once went to a party where everyone got ushered into this room. It all sounds so odd, but they gave you diamond earrings to wear 
and I sat at the the girl who who went in after me was like this supermodel. I mean, I must have come up to her elbow. And they gave me the diamonds, and the guy didn't even want me to touch the diamonds, so he put them in my ear, which again was a really weird what? feeling because I want to put them in my own ear. Yes, of course. But obviously, I was deemed not worthy to to touch them, and. I just sat at dinner the whole time, just trying not to move because I didn't want anything to... There was a bodyguard watching over me so that my diamonds wouldn't land in the dinner or I wouldn't go and run off with them. And then at the end of the dinner, they took them them off off me. I've had that happen to you once. I think that's bizarre. But that's what I'm saying. And then I just go home in my tracksuit, have, you know, one of the kids throw salmon at me, go to bed and then think, well, did that really happen? Did that really happen? I know. It's like a real, like, it's midnight. There's your pumpkin outside. My pumpkin was <laughs> revving. It was like pedal to the metal. Let's go home. Yeah. So it's nice to see all. You know, I didn't even know that world existed, and it's not my world, but it's also quite entertaining. And I'll have a million and one stories for my grandkids. Exactly. But, you know, there are days I think I'm really fudging this. Am I really working? Well, I think if you love what you do, that does feel like that. And I think also when you do come home to a proper. Family life is an amazing way to make to really draw out the absurdity of the experiences like that because you 100%. know it's, they're so ludicrous and they're so far removed from the practical nature of sorting out the fuse box when you've got your iron and your washing machine and all those things on at once. So those... Well, it's funny because I just don't understand why people think I wouldn't be doing the laundry or the bins or the. Mm. I'm like, well, who else is doing it? Mm. All the night feeds. Who else? Well, then my boobs. Who else is doing it? There is a lot of judgment that can come on with um, working mothers in the public eye, and I was sort of hoping it wasn't really a thing. But then the more I've been thinking about these sorts of conversations, the more I'm noticing it. And actually, yesterday I saw an article about um, a model, and she was talking about how she much she loves working because it's good for her, you know, children. She thinks it's going to give them a good work ethic, and she happens to be married to a man who uh, it seems like a very wealthy man, and. All the comments were, which I, I have a really bad habit of looking at the comments because I'm fascinated. You are so naughty. Well, you I'm not never doing read it. the comments ever. I don't ever. do it to. I don't feel like I'm. I get emotionally invested, but I'm. I am quite fascinated by the way some people's mind think. I do, but they don't. That's the whole point. No, they don't right. think. Like ten people. It's um, just you know. I don't know anybody, or I'd like to think I don't know them. That that, that would fire a comment off. Therefore, they're not my people. So, and then then I just think, well, do I care then? What? somebody I've never met thinks about me well I agree with that but I suppose I'm intrigued because it it made me unpick it a little bit because a lot of the comments were saying you know well if it's so hard for you to go to work why don't you just stop work you're wealthy enough you can braise your own kids and and also call it work and I thought isn't it extraordinary that like if there was the flip and her husband was saying about the same thing it wouldn't even occur to people to say firstly just stop, stop your work then and raise your kids the sort of subtext of it is if you're economically uh, functioning at what people perceive must be you must be going home to and you're able to pay your bills then why on earth would you still want to pursue your stuff because you're not allowed to they don't really like the idea I suppose that women might want to just have the ambition and the desire and work for work's sake and for a sense of yourself because isn't raising a family enough work and enough of a job and satisfying enough and I do I do find it quite bizarre that that's still the case that, you know, 2020, like, I, I just didn't really but think... I've thought about this long and hard because there are days when I just think it's 5am and I've had, you know, one one child up all night not very well or I've I've had to find childcare or, or balance A, B, C and D to even get to do this job. And, and you, you know, I really do have sort of those tussles with myself. And then I think... 
what am I doing if I don't show my children what a work ethic looks like? What am I doing if I showed my children that I sat at a piano since the age of four years old and then as soon as I had a child decided I wasn't going to play it anymore other than maybe for their enjoyment? Mm. I, I, you know, I can make money. I can, I can, I can, um, I can provide for my children because of the talents that I have honed and I didn't know what my 21-year-old self was was going to make of any of this or or do with any of this but I do know that if there is anybody out there that thinks oh, well, it looks easy anyone could do that you sit at that piano for 20 years you go through the the fear of the exams and when everyone else is going out you're having to stay in on that Friday night because you've got the practice that's got to get done and it's not woe is me and let's play a smaller violin but it really is a case of I put the hours in and, and it, it, it's only fair or it's only right that I should be able to do something with that and feel feel the benefits of that. And I want my girls more so than ever to be able to understand the reason they are going to school, the reason they are learning to find their passions and who they are as women and make their own decisions up and have their own minds and be able to contribute to society. They have to be able to do all those things. Otherwise, what's it all for? Just to keep... The, 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 you know, the pleasure and the attention of a husband who could potentially just walk out and go off with the secretary who's also been doing those things or not. I just want them to contribute to society. I want them to feel that when they have done a long day's work or half day's work, whatever they feel is appropriate for their family life, that they did it well and they've got pride in themselves. The amount of times I've come home and the girls have either seen what I've done on TV, I've let them stay up and watch it, or they've come to shows, or they've come to shoots you know they they revel in it they love seeing the people that are at these at, at work hero loves coming into the radio station she goes from capital to heart to classic to smooth and makes everyone a coffee i said to her you're going to be the coffee girl and you, you you know you start at the bottom you make sure that you know everybody's orders and you go in you're polite you give the coffee and you go to the next studio and she absolutely revels in it mm. and you just think that there's a whole world there that they'd be completely cut off to, you know, is you know, if you choose, you know, that your life is running around the park um, and yoga class is good for you. But what if you choose that isn't your life? Yeah. I've watched my daughter do three hours of homework every single day. I do not make her do it. She wishes to do it. She has this drive. Well, that's what I was going to ask, actually. She's massively I, inquisitive. How do you, do you... When you were small and doing all the piano practice, is this something that was instilled in you from your... Folks, or do you think you've always had a natural drive? Because I've actually... definitely got a natural drive for it. Okay. I think a lot of it was instilled, you know, a lot of it was instilled for sure. I think, I think it has to, though, ultimately come from the child. Because I don't think you can make somebody... It is the horse to water analogy. You can't make yeah. some metaphor. You can't make somebody sit and play the piano. Well, you this just... is a, a conversation that comes up a lot in our house because my husband and I have slightly different feelings. I say that he's, he's not... Um, uh, it's sort of the way the house is at the moment with the kids and their practice and things like that is, is actually more the way I envisage it. But I know he would like it if we were a bit stricter about discipline and saying, can you do, you know, just, well, let's just say discipline. He just wants them to do like five, ten minutes every morning. I, I, I'm with your husband on this because I think if you don't put in five or ten minutes in the morning, which is what we do here, I feel like you're, I said to them, you're taking from your teachers yeah. that they gave their time as working mothers. So, you know, they've... 
they've got teachers, you know, I don't have to play the trumpet. Hero's got a, a, a teacher that gives her time. Yes, she's paid for that time, but she's giving her time to you to make you better. And then if you're going to have, you know, a, I think audacity is maybe too strong a word, but if you haven't got the respect for her to then walk back into that class with what she gave you and showed you and, and you haven't taken it on board and you can't show it to her, then I wouldn't do the lesson. I'd just stop the lesson. Because yeah. it's really disrespectful. I've, I used to teach. At one point when I was 13, I had seven pupils. I had, that was my money. That was my pocket money. Yeah. And I would be, I would genuinely say to anybody that, you know, is a performer or is out there, you know, do it from another perspective. Understand it from another perspective. Mm. And as, as a teacher, I'd be crestfallen if they hadn't practised because I'd given everything. I'd thought about the lesson. I thought, how can I make them understand this? How can they play this piece and enjoy it? How can they find the storytelling in it? Loud and soft, dynamics is not, not enough. What are they trying to say to the, to, the, to the audience? And I'd really think about it and I'd give it my all and then they'd come back the next week and go, oh, I didn't have a chance to practise this week. And I'd just oh. feel really crestfallen. And I just said to the girls, just put the respect back in that you're being shown. Yeah, that's an, that's actually a really good way of doing it. I do. I, well, if you don't want it, and if you don't yeah. want to do it, don't waste that person's time. Exactly. I've done a bit of that. Like, what is the what is the point? And you know, talking about the way that it is in their day, and the teacher who comes to a house, or the ones they see at school about the sort of backstory. But well, we laugh. Sim's got a brother a who used to play strict. the trumpet. I don't know the first thing about playing the trumpet, but I try. <laughs> and he tried. He it's a joke in his household, and and in this household, he did it for eight years, and he still can't play a tune. <laughs> and all I can think about is. It, ha, 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 very funny. But actually, I just think about that poor teacher. Yeah, yeah. That poor teacher who yeah. sat there day in, day out, and you just gave her that. <laughs> I just yeah. think that's awful. Yeah. It's like you putting, putting your... your Putting everything together from, you know, going into the studio, putting the song down, putting the track down, making sure it's right, that's not quite right, twisting it around again, playing around with it, getting the look right, bringing Lisa in, and then nobody in the audience even acknowledging it, even acknowledging it was bad, just not acknowledging it. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know, it's, I think that that's the worst thing. It's love yeah, and hate me, don't is the, me. Actually, yeah, yeah, apathy is, is so, the sort of biggest insult you can give anything like that. That's exactly it? it. So I say to the girls, all I want from you is five or ten minutes, and if you don't want to do it, then I will never force them. Yeah. Because they won't be able to do it anyway. Oh, well, I'm, I'm sort of sitting here thinking, I really think you should put motivational speaker as an, on your next venture, <laughs> Miley, honestly. I can barely motivate my kids out the house. Are you kidding? You've got like a seven-month-old baby and look at all the things in your brain about how to, all the extraordinary mothering. I think it's phenomenal. And you, we barely scratch the surface of all the things you get on with with your work life. Honestly, I feel like I need to go home and... I mean, I've got some pasta stored away. I'll just, you know, <laughs> we're not going to need it for the like quarantine. Or we're going to use it for household uh, budgets. And um, look, if you don't show your children, what is it they say? It's ninety percent of what you say. Ninety uh, percent of um, what you do. Ten percent what you say. And yes. I really believe that. Because no, it's definitely true. If I say to the girls, you know, I did this at work. I did this at work. I did this at work. It's just me chatting. But when they see stylists coming in and out. To anybody else, a stylist is is someone that just has to pick a dress. It's hardly a hard job. Uh, put it on you and off they go. But the girls last week, I did an award ceremony that I was hosting and I really loved, I got them involved because I got them to, they got three pounds to carry all of the dresses up and down the stairs, pack them away, make sure the hangers went with the corresponding bag, make sure they were labelled to go back to the right courier. Then, I mean, it was, it was carnage outside because there were couriers all standing outside waiting because the girls 
didn't realise they had to bring the, the clothes out to the couriers. It's right, not right. something they'd done before. So Sim came up, he went, uh, there's some motorcycles outside. And it was just, they were realising actually being a stylist isn't just, you're a stylist, yeah. wear this dress, exactly. I choose green for you. Yeah. And you know that, but they didn't know that. And yeah. I think you can take so much for granted. I think anyone that comes into this house, I want them to speak to them, find out what they do, find out how they do it, because that could be the key to unlocking your passion. Yeah, I agree And a with child that. without a passion, to me, is such a tragic... It's a tragic story, because it's the potential that never was realised. Yeah, well, I think, I think you've hit on two things I totally wholeheartedly agree with. One is to have, always have a trade. And for all the kids, that's the thing. Like, have something you can be employed for when you finish your education. That's the, the number one goal. But also, yes, every little tiny shoot that shows from, you know, the soil with them, it's like, right, let's water that. Where does that go? Anything they show, a tiny little bit of interest in. Like, okay, well, let's do, let's do animation lessons or let's learn Japanese or all the things they might be interested in. Because I think, that, as you say, the passion and that's my big big hope for them actually is just that they find something that makes them get out of bed in the morning and never feel like they work because it's yeah. you know we we're both so lucky to love our jobs and actually there is sometimes a little bit of a I mean they say don't they everything casts a shadow and sometimes having yeah. parents that adore I thought how brilliant my kids have got parents where they we both do what we love and we're musicians and it's all you know we've chosen our own path but actually that can be quite intimidating for kids as well because you think what if I don't find that thing that yeah. makes me feel so happy and satisfied with my work? That's true. But then if you live in that fear, they'll never find it. Because mm. I've had the same thing with Ava, the amount of times where Ava's about to do her grade eight. She's 12. Wow. But I did my grade eight for, at 14. Now, she's always saying to me, but what if this, what if that? And I went, Ava, you know, I never had anyone who could show me. Nobody could tell me what, you know, if this bar was right or... Mm. so. If you want me to, I will do those things. But mm. she's so worried that I'm not. She's not going to, you know, do it in the way that I've done it. And I've said to her already, you've broken the mold. Mm. You've already broken the mold. And if you don't want to play, you've seen what it takes. You don't have to play. Mm. But woe betide if you do, and I don't help you. Yeah, that will be the sad, the saddest thing here because I can help you. Yeah, and I don't want her. I really don't want her to feel any pressure from me. You know, she's she's fiercely she's fiercely independent and so bright. She wants to be a scientist and she, you know, she's got her own ideas. But I think if, if I was to keep on, on either knocking them down or, or, or these ideas that she has or, or, or not enveloping her or, de- or developing her, then well, you wouldn't get anywhere anyway. So there is the fear. There is the fear that the shadow is long. But there's also the fear that actually, you know, she could go off and do something completely left of field. I thought I was going to be a conductor. Before that, I thought I was going to be an astronaut. <laughs> And ultimately, our jobs are just to guide them, you know, and and, and if we can, you know, just to grease the wheels a little bit, I suppose. You know, there's something she asks me. I don't have a clue. I look at her homework. It's that line from The Incredibles, Mr. Incredible. They changed maths. (laughs) Here it goes to me. Could you just do the bus stop method? I'm like, what? I know. I feel like that regularly. What's the bus stop method? It turns out it's division, but then I can't do that anyway. Why is it division? (laughs) Because it looks like a bus stop when you do the little little line. Everyone stands in the bus stop. Oh, I see. People can move around the bus stop. And I'm like, I get it. But I still don't. Well, yeah, but I still don't get it. So. Mm, I haven't really got many doing... Well, actually, ones that are doing long division don't really ask me anymore, I think. They're <laughs> <laughs> left me for dust at the moment. Yeah, so, but I think as well, it's also good 
for the children to see the things that I can't do. Yeah, it's very important. I to never used failure. to think that, by the way. That was pointed out to me. Yeah, that's quite a tricky one, that, actually. Well, I thought if I show them things I can't do, it's going to make them feel unsteady. And I've built so much up on trying to show them that I'm running a steady ship here so they feel safe within it. But then I think what happens then if you don't show that it's safe to fail or that this is the right environment that you can fail in, then actually then they'll have the most ridiculous ideas about themselves and not know how to then actually combat that failure and, and then maybe address it and then overcome it. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty vital, actually. And I know I did the same thing with... I was talking to someone once um, and saying, oh, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I keep on getting it wrong. I'm sure I keep getting it wrong. I'm like, what bad mum? And she's like, like actually, it's, it's really important that getting it wrong is just as valuable sometimes because otherwise they don't know how to fail. They think you've never failed. And that's actually a really hard burden. So, you know, get your mistakes. It's like... I Love failed my listen. driving test three times. And oh, I'm saying three it. times. <laughs> yeah. The car kept rolling backwards. And I mean, Norfolk's the flattest place in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm saying, yeah, so fourth we, time lucky. We, we laugh about that, but nobody ever wants to get in the car with me. Uh, no, I think, I think the failure thing is important, but, but I also think that you are in no danger of, of raising some very capable and pretty exciting young people, actually. I think they're going to... Grow up home. I think the work ethic thing is vital, but it's also so, just so important. It Look, is. the other day, Ava lost some money that I gave to her to go out for lunch with her girlfriends, and she said she put it in a pocket. And I thought long and hard about this, and I said to her, "Right, I want you to pay me back." And the reason I did that, she said to me, "But that's three piano lessons that she teaches piano," and she'd done the maths, and she said, "But that's worth three piano lessons to me." And I said, I need you to feel it because the next time you go out, you will zip your pocket up or you'll have it in a handbag or you will look after it. Mm. And, I th- and I did, I really felt for her because it was, it was three piano lessons, but I thought actually it's got to hurt her for her to feel it. Mm. And so maybe she won't lose as much now. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I really want her to value that every penny... And I said to her, you know what, here's the thing. Now I went out to work and you're getting it for free, supposedly. Yeah. So I need you to have a bit of an understanding here that we're all grafting, you know, and and whether you're working as a nurse, whether you're working as a record producer, whatever you know, that remuneration is that you get, it's like you still have to budget it and it has to go towards household budget. And, and you know... I know a lot of adults who missed out on all of this bit well, of learning. It's really funny you say that. Sim <laughs> watched this and he sat down. He went, I wish my parents had done this with me because Sim's upbringing is very different to mine. Yeah. And um, I, do, I said to him, you know, do you feel like I go on a bit too much at the kids? Do you feel like I'm like just, you know, just ran, ranting on about things? And he just said, I wish someone had done this with me. So I know loads of adults who don't know where the water is to turn it off and I know loads of adults who don't do household budget. Yeah. Exactly. No, so do I. I can think of loads. Like, just on the top of my head, people who still struggle <laughs> massively with just the, the very notion of living within your means, actually. Um, but you do, you learn it different ways. I think I learned it a bit from my folks and then probably a lot from having, you know, things be very up and down when I was sort of in my late teens, early 20s. And then you think, I don't like the way this feels. I want to not really feel like this anymore. Yeah. And when you do have children, you think, don't want them to be thinking about any of that either because it's a it's it's a big a big worry and I you know I want them to understand the value of it but I don't want them to be feeling like I'm not thinking about all of it well, you that's know. where pasta comes in because it's still far enough removed to understand the value of it without feeling the fear of it yeah yeah no that's true actually it's a good idea I definitely feel like I need to do a bit more of that with 
my kids, especially as they get older. Sometimes it's quite tricky because I've got quite a big age range, so I don't know. But making it all like age appropriate to each them, but I do, I mean, I, I, like you, I do lots of communication and talking. But it's still the same lesson, regardless. Yeah. I mean, everyone can, you can all be taught the same lesson and take different things from it. Mm, no, that's true. So, you know, I, I don't say, right, now we'll do the eight year olds, now we'll do the 12 year olds. No. I, I, I sit everybody around the table and everyone asks their own, you know, their own questions about it. I'll, I'll, I'll just pick a subject, you know, you know, whether it's Brexit or whether it's Donald Trump or have you seen that everyone's talking about hashtag be kind? I want them to know what's going on in yeah. the world. Otherwise, they're just going to be, it's going to be quite, dim- you know, two dimensional or whatever is taught from the school and then whatever they hear on the radio. Yeah, and they all talk. They all talk at school. So, that, you know, they're not... And that actually breeds a lot more fear and, and uncertainty in their minds than if you just face yeah. things head on have but those I chats. Think if they've got different influences coming in... Ava did her interview for school and she talked about, in her interview, Dolly Parton, Beyonce and Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie. <laughs> and I was like... That's awesome. I'd let you in. Yeah, that is I'd awesome. I'd let you in. She didn't go in saying, well, you know, Alan Turing's machine. She she talked about things that are relevant to her as a woman living in, you know, 2020. Yeah. And I just thought that's badass. That is. And I'm not surprised to hear that your daughter's badass. <laughs> <laughs> See, I told you there were words of wisdom in there. Isn't that amazing? Um, it's funny with uh, someone like Mylene because um, I, I don't think I'd realised until we had our proper chat um, for, for spinning plates, I don't think I'd realised quite how um, quite how capable she was, really. So it puts me to shame. I can't. I don't think I can change a plug. And I thought after that, I went home and I did do the thing with the pasta where I sat down with the kids and talked to them about money. I thought, actually, I really need to make sure that my kids are equipped and capable people too. I think being capable is a, a really good trait to have. Um, I mean, obviously, she's also lovely and warm and loving and talented. But how impressive to have that sort of steel. And I think those... Those daughters and her, that triangle of strength that they have, um, I think that's a pretty unbreakable thing, actually. So thank you, Mylene, for sharing your words of wisdom and uh, your time uh, with me. I really enjoyed that chat. And thank you for listening to us to chatting away. Um, and I will see you next week. Um, next week, I'm going to be putting up a conversation I had with my mum, which was... Um, very special to me obviously the most personal one so join me next week and in the meantime have a lovely time and let's hope the sun keeps on shining all right lots of love see you soon bye Serves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.